today on Ag News Daily. I'm CJ Ike. I am the territory sales manager for Illinois. Um, grew up on a livestock farm. Family farmed on one side. One side grew, um, had livestock, showed cattle my whole life. Corteva AgroScience provides cutting edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. September 14th, 2023. Tanner and Delaney here. Last day, Husker Harvest for me, Delaney, getting ready to share the latest headlines today with our listeners. How are you doing? I'm good. You're sounding a little tired, Tanner. It's been a long Husker <laughs> Harvest season. I'm taking it. I love trade shows. And then I also am really excited to get home again after the trade shows. It's uh, my personality type wants to see and meet as many people as possible. And yeah, that can take a lot out of a person. Yeah, that's true. I definitely understand that for sure. Well, we're still going to have good weather here the last day. We're looking at extremely dry weather for most of Nebraska, as well as our friends back home in Iowa, parts of Minnesota. Temperatures are expected to slightly trend above normal for today. Eastern South Dakota may get a little bit of rain this evening. However, uh, nothing looks to be severe. Texas and Oklahoma might get some storms in their forecast, bringing some localized rain tonight and tomorrow through the weekend. We also saw a hurricane update. Lee continues to creep toward New England, where the hurricane and tropical storm watches have been issued for most of the coastal residents in that area. It's anticipation that the storm's possible impact on Friday through the weekend is what they will continue to monitor. Lee's winds could begin to uh, buff portions of New England as early as Friday morning, and then it will head up over Maine and possibly into uh, Atlantic Canada uh, towards the end of the weekend. It is still considered a large and dangerous cyclone. It is now a Category 2 hurricane, but it is expected to weaken as it approaches the land, mainland. All right. Well, we probably ought to get a harvest update here soon, too, Tanner. As many combines are hitting the field. That's right. We should. Well, Tanner, in other news, the Iowa Utilities Board is now saying they might think that the summit hearings will last quite a bit shorter than originally anticipated. The Iowa Utilities Board originally said that they thought that the hearings with summit would last at least two months. Here we are currently in our fourth week of the hearings, and the IUB is now saying that they're probably going to try to wrap things up by the end of September. They said originally they thought there was going to be a lot of private landowners and private companies that would want to might want to testify, but they're now suggesting that they'll have all of this wrapped up by the end of September, which is just about two weeks away and would put the total hearing time at about six weeks. A lot of folks are starting to question if that will rush the process. And they're starting to get a lot of criticism from opponents of the pipeline, state legislators and other private citizens that that would definitely rush the process and that it would not do, a, do its due diligence to find out all the true objections from their constituents. So the board revealed in their Monday order that they only have the facility rented until September 28th, Tanner, hence why we might see this thing speed up a little bit more. Yeah, I uh, saw that headline as well. I did notice that 
out in Decatur, there was signs that were flown around behind airplanes. Of course, Decatur underneath the Farm Progress Show site is one of the CO2, I'm going to call them caverns, but we have not seen or heard much of anything about it here at Husker Harvest Day. So kind of quiet out here about CO2 pipelines, Delaney. Mm. Well, Tanner, speaking of Decatur, Illinois, this is a headline I think we both missed, but on Sunday evening at approximately 7, 11 p.m., there was an explosion at ADM's Decatur processing facility. This is ADM's largest facility globally. And on Monday, we confirmed that the they confirmed that the East plant, which produces soybean oil and white flake for soybean protein production, is offline. The adjacent corn processing plant is also temporarily shut down as they're working to safely resume operations. But as far as the injuries go, the incident injured more than eight people, of which six were taken to the hospital. Four medevac helicopters airlifted the injured to local uh, hospitals there. And as of Tuesday morning, five employees remain in the hospital. But they said the resulting fire was brought under control before Monday morning. And the cause for this explosion is still unknown and being investigated, but certainly not ideal timing, Tanner, as you think about folks needing to uh, bring crops to that ADM facility, but also for the folks that were injured there as well. Yes, it's uh, it's funny that you, I shouldn't say funny, that's ironic that you picked it back up. I think I had that headline flagged Sunday night when it had happened and, and we didn't get it reported. Want to make sure we get our ethanol numbers for the week. Output rose to the highest level in three weeks while inventories declined. Production of biofuel was 1.039 million barrels per day. That was up from 1.012 million barrels per day. The ethanol inventories dropped to 21.171 barrels in the seven days that ended September 8th. That's down from 21.621 million barrels. So a little bit of demand spiking there. Production at several auto plants may come to a halt late today if thousands of unionized workers agree to strike and walk out on General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. Details for the plan and the plants to be struck will not be announced until noon Eastern time, or I'm sorry, midnight tonight. If no deal is reached today, a strike could begin as early as Friday. There's never been a simultaneous strike against all three automakers at the same time. So that would make nearly half of all domestically assembled cars halting in production, slowing or stopping the production of a few engine and transmission plants at well, as well. And these companies would effectively be stopping completely when the full strike starts. So we'll keep an eye on that headline as well. Well, Tanner, being out here in Washington, D.C. this week, I know we have quite a few fly-ins going on including the Iowa Pork Producers Association. And I'm guessing that Prop 12 is certainly on their list of priorities to discuss with legislators. But we got a very broad statement or very public statement, I should say, made by the National Pork Producers Council on Tuesday by the president, Scott Hayes. He made a very public statement, Tanner, to reporters saying that he was not going to be doing any sort of conversions to his hog farm in Missouri to satisfy the California Prop 12 rules. He told reporters that it wasn't clear if making the required reno renovations 
meant to give breeding cells more room to move about and if that would pay off. So he said he personally has chosen not to make those changes. He said instead they're going to continue to work with legislators and try to figure out if there's a way around this and if they could get uh, Prop 12 changed. But of course, we saw the Supreme Court did uphold the law in May, meaning there's not a lot of other options right now aside from, you know, we've seen other legislation such as the EATS Act presented in Congress. But it's a very bold and public statement, and I'll be curious to see, you know, if other farmers follow suit. But of course, the big question becomes, who's going to pay for those renovations, and will they, like you mentioned there, pay out? But we have seen a lot of large pork-producing companies, including Hormel, Smithfield, and Tyson Food, recently reported to Reuters that they will comply with Proposition 12 requirements. That's interesting to have uh, the leader state that publicly. So we will continue to keep an eye on that as well. NAS, the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, released data showing that cash rents for cropland increased nationwide in 2023. Between 22 and 23, the national average cropland cash rent went from $148 to $155 a 4.7% increase. The lowest reported average was Montana. Montana came in at how many dollars per acre on average, Delaney? Mm, 150? 35. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to the highest state, which was Arizona. And what do you think that average was? Uh, 475. 347. So laws of averages there messing with you this morning, Delaney. The Corn Belt had values increase 5.8% from 223 to 235. Farm Doc Daily from the University of Illinois did state-specific deep dive into the data. It is quite interesting to see where values have gone since 1970. So they've been tracking that for quite a while. However, they're stating they may see a shift soon as real estate and rural appraisers as well as farm managers have stated that they may see a slight decrease in the numbers expected for 2024. Society, especially those in agriculture, share what is going on in the futures markets and where crop prices might be. So we'll continue to watch and see what results will be posted next year, Delaney. Well, Tanner, it's interesting you say that too, because we're also starting to get some expectations about what we see for next year's cattle crop, so to speak, as well. As dry conditions continue to persist across most of the U.S., especially the areas that do produce cattle, corn, and hay, nearly half of excuse me, nearly yeah, nearly half of the nation's hay crop areas are experiencing some sort of drought. And several livestock producing areas are experiencing serious drought as well, specifically those livestock production states, including Nebraska, Kansas, and Missouri are starting to feel the drought pressure. According to Scott Brown, markets and policy professor and interim director of the Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center at the University of Missouri, he said, certainly when you look at Missouri in particular, hay production is down in 2023 and other states have started to recover, but some of the states have had more of a drought issue in 2022 than this year, but in the state of Missouri, they've been front and center of the dry weather and that's hurt pastures and hay ponds. 
And as you look at the cattle production numbers, it seems to Scott Brown that tighter supplies here will lead to further liquidation of cattle in some of those really high areas of drought and is cause for concern. So could see a shift there in market dynamics, which, you know, as we talked to Tommy earlier this week, uh, we might see that also coming for the market side of things too, Tanner. So those two factors might correlate at just the right time where we see a diminishing herd while we also see diminishing demand and that might keep the cattle markets fairly well supported, but that's just one speculation right now. Yeah, there's a quite interesting to see where that might head. It's also interesting to get our updates out of Russia and Ukraine to wrap up my headlines for today. Ukraine said it destroyed a Russian air defense system in an overnight attack on the occupied Crimean Peninsula. Russia says, however, that it forced down 11 Ukrainian drones in that attack. The attack was the latest by Ukraine on Crimea, which has a huge strategic symbol and importance to Russia. Ukraine is seeking to reclaim this peninsula, which would be the first time since 2014. South Korea has warned that Russia and North Korea could be pursuing some kind of a military deal. Kim Jong-un on Wednesday stated that he was interested in that, but it is not clear what kind of deal they struck. The South Korean president also said that they are aware that North Korea has provided weapons that are currently being used for Russia in the war against Ukraine. Belarusian president is set to meet with Vladimir Putin on Friday. The European Parliament had called him an accomplice in Russia's war on Ukraine rather than a true intermediary. So we'll continue to keep an eye on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But I am out of headlines for today. Tanner, I am out of headlines as well, aside from taking a look at the overnights. What do you say? Let's go for it. Well, Tanner, we're a few days, of course, past the WASDE report now, and it seems like markets have mostly chewed through that news. December corn in the overnights down a quarter of a cent at 4.82. New crop soybeans up four and a half cents at 13.54 and a quarter. A little before we close the morning session out here, hard red December winter wheat down five and a half cents at 7.39 and a quarter. Spring December wheat down four and three quarter cents at 7.82 and three quarters. In the livestock markets, they ended yesterday mostly with weakness as the October live cattle contract shed a dollar to end at a buck 83.15. October feeder cattle shed $2.20 at 2.5905. And October lean hogs shed $1.30 to close at 83.97 and a half. Tanner still capturing a couple conversations and playing them out for our listeners today from the Farm Progress Show. Today, we turn it over to your conversation with Gearinghoff. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing.
cool stuff to talk about. CJ, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, and then we'll get into what you're doing. So I'm CJ Ike. I am the territory sales manager for Illinois. Um, grew up on a livestock farm. Family farmed on one side. One side grew um, had livestock, showed cattle my whole life. Um, been with Geary & Hoff for a little over three years now. Um, was at a dealership before that selling red equipment. Uh, before that had, you know, few odd jobs here and there but uh you know been been here with Gary Hoff for three years it's been been pretty exciting the stuff we've had come out the past few years here yeah that's uh it's been fun to have conversations with your team here over the last couple of years to to see for a topic that I didn't think could evolve as fast as it does the technology yeah. that comes along with with headers just the the sheer fact you can tell that the combine does, or you think the combine does most of the work, and you don't realize how valuable it is to have a quality header up front. Yeah, yeah. You know, the past, you know, three, four years, these combines keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, John Deere with their X9 case, you know, with their with their combine, they're coming out. The Fint combine, the 10T over there. Um, the bigger the combine, the bigger the header you need. Yeah, it's uh, amazing to try and keep up with the size that we've got going on. But what's what's exciting for you guys here at Farm Progress Show? So back in 21, we unveiled the AFT. Uh, that is a split flex head. Uh, What's AFT stand for? Adaptive flex technology. Okay. So what that head does actually, it splits in the middle, um, and actually we run a head sight on that head, and going through hills and terraces and you know sloping ground, that head will move independently up and down. Okay. So in 21, we, we unveiled that one. You know, last year in Boom, we had the 2430. Um, after the 21 show, everyone was asking for a folding head and an AFT. So, so folding and AFT. Yes, yes. So Germans being Germans, that's what we did. <laughs> so this year, we, we brought out the, our 1630 AFT folder. Um, it's been a widely talked about head, uh, a lot of traffic. Um, I think we've got probably a handful of those made this year, and they're all retail. They're all going out west. Nice. Yeah, that's 40 foot wide. Yeah. And it, it's got a pivot point in the middle, mm -hmm. plus it folds to go down the road. Yeah. yeah. So there's probably a lot of producers that find a use for a head like that. And you were mentioning, is it most commonly those with terraces and rolling ground? It is. It is. You know, it. A lot of the guys in Nebraska and Kansas are is really the ones wanting that head. Um, I'm starting to see a little bit of needs and wants here in Illinois for those heads. You know, you get to Western Illinois or Northern Illinois, there's a rolling ground, and those guys want to, you know, capture all that crop. They're they're wanting. Yeah, yeah it's it is so valuable, especially when you look at how tight some of the margins are for farmers these days. That every ear matters. Oh yeah. And when you can provide them a little bit of a, a, a superior product to say, that can help them ensure that they get all that crop in the combine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with these combines getting bigger, uh, everybody wanting to go with bigger heads, wanting to go faster. Um, that's definitely one thing we can provide the, you know, the average farmer. Um, you know, these heads aren't, aren't cheap. Um, they're a big investment. Um, so we like to produce the best we can for them. That's really cool. So that... This type of engineering, I thought, would take a lot longer. You mentioned that it was a recent request. So yeah. how's, how's your engineering team put that together so quickly? 
couldn't tell you because they don't tell us anything. <laughs> hey, smart group <laughs> of people. You know, we we were actually over in Germany as a group uh, here in March, right, March March or April, and got to see these these AFTs being built at our factory in Allen. And you want to talk about a very impressive place. Uh, you know, we've got a, a factory up here in Minnesota and in, in St. Cloud, but to go back to the the motherland, I guess you can call it, and and see where it all started, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and that that is always fun. I think a lot of farmers, and even those that are interested in agriculture, love those factory tours. Love mm-hmm. the, love the behind the scenes. Yeah, to get to see exactly how some of these magnificent pieces of equipment really all do run and operate. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So what's next? What's the next challenge for your engineers? Well, we've had a lot of requests for, you know, folding 2430s, you know, a lot of guys asking for AFTs in the uh, 20-inch row model. Um, a lot of that stuff's coming. Just got to give us some time to get it done. Um, yeah. We're, you know, it takes time to get this stuff, you know, through all the right channels. Uh, we're not going to release something we're not sure it's going to work. Yeah, and that's one of the Gearnhoff standards is just how high that is. So uh, completely understand and respect the research that needs to go into these products. I tell you what, when we walked by that 24-row head <laughs> and in Boone, I felt like I walked for almost a city block to get around <laughs> it just to go say hi to somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. The most common questions there in Boone were, how many rows is there and what's she weigh? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The weight's going to be a big factor. I was just wondering how quickly we could get end snout replacements because I don't know how anybody could see what that end row is doing, especially trying to open a field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here, here in Illinois, I mean, I've got a lot of guys that run, you know, 24-row 20s. Um, but, you know, jumping to a 2430, that's a whole different ball game. That's a big, big combine, a lot of things to watch, and hope nothing happens. Yeah, I like that. So what else do we need to know about the AFT head? Well, um, it's it's a really unique unit. I mean, we, we, we partnered up with Split Flex to get this done. Um, we have several of these units out, and we've been pretty successful with them, uh, the help with head sight. Getting getting that thing in the field, getting everything working correctly. Um, you know, we've got three models currently: the 12 row, uh, 16 row, and the 18 row. The 12 and 16 are the only ones that we can get in folding currently. Uh, the 18 row we get in rigid. Um, that 12 row, you know, has a range of travel of eight degrees, so we're talking like 50 inches up and down. That 16 row, I believe, is like 68 inches. So, you know, if you get out west or even here in western Illinois, if we got these, these huge side hills and terraces and you want to capture that crop, that's going to be the one you're going to want. So how is ordering right now? What are you guys looking at for supply and production? You know, we've had a pretty good year this, this year so far on um, getting units built, getting units out to the, out to the dealers. Um, you know, coming up, we've got our early order period coming up for the next, next 30 days. Um, hopefully markets stay up. We'll see what this crop brings. Uh, here in Illinois, I don't know what the crop's going to do. It's pretty hit and miss. I mean, we've had a very, very dry summer. Um, like where I live up north, we didn't have a rain from May until almost July 1st. Uh, yeah. Once that rain hit, things shot up. Uh, guys started putting fungicide back on the crop. And we'll see when the combines roll here in a few weeks. Yeah, it's been interesting to have conversations out here with those producers from around the Midwest just 
if there's concerns. A lot of them are hopefully optimistic, mm-hmm. uh, but are probably shooting for trend line yeah. or at least APH. Everybody's kind of said they think the heat and the dryness in some of these patches has really knocked the top off. Oh, of it, very much. Which very is much. another reason that if we can have a head on the front of our combine that ensures every bushel makes it in, that's going to be extremely valuable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, with the way the wor- world is right now, every, every kernel, every every bushel is going to count. Mm-hmm. I mean. The way these markets have been going up and down here the past few months, it's got some guys worried. But I think supply and demand, we hopefully will be all right when when uh, mm-hmm. the year ends here. That's right. So if somebody is interested in an AFT or any other Gearinhoff products, what's the best way for them to go learn more? Or, you know, get online, gearinhoff.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're big in social media. Got a lot of stuff going on there. Or, you know, call me. There you go. I love it. And it's still the slogan's head of the class no matter the crop, correct? Yep. Well, hey, CJ, thanks for jumping on with us out here. All right. Appreciate it. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience. Keep growing. Well, thanks, Delaney, for letting us share some of these great conversations that our Farm for Profit podcast hosts help with. It's some of that really timely fall information as you learn the new technology related with corn harvesting heads and those other alternative crops. So it's kind of neat to catch up with some of the latest technology at these trade shows. Absolutely. I think we've got one more good conversation from your trade show there and Husker Harvest Days, Tanner. But uh, what do you say we let our listeners go for today? Let's let them go.